Hey everyone, and welcome to the NCAST. I'm Guy Weissmantle, your host and Executive Vice President of Marketing here at NContracts. In this podcast, our subject matter experts from across the company will be talking with industry thought leaders about relevant topics and trends in compliance and risk management for financial institutions. You'll learn the latest tips and tools to manage risk in this ever-changing environment. Let's get started. Hello, my name is Stephanie Lyon, Vice President of Compliance at NContracts. Today, I'm joined by Mary Kapsinski, who is going to talk to us about the responsible use of technology and innovation. Mary is actually joining us from the Big Apple. How are you, Mary? I'm great. It's good to talk to you, Stephanie. It is great to see you again. I know, Mary, that you have a podcast where you discuss the regulator of the day. Has any financial banking regulator surprised you thus far this year? If so, how and why? You know, one of my favorites is actually the U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Uh, I always go to them because, you know, when you're reading really dry financial regulation, you read about, and it's it's very political, right? They'll have like a super liberal viewpoint or a super um, conservative viewpoint, and it kind of brings to life what the issues are, even if they're really boring, like it has to do with like swap margin regulation. And so I always go to them. And what was really interesting in the last year is that through uh, the majority of the Trump administration, the only person that ever spoke up was the liberal side was all that we got. And they were hating everything that was going on. But what's been really kind of interesting this year is that now we're getting both um, a liberal and a conservative voice sort of uh, bringing to light what's really going on in our government right now. So that you're not wrong. There's been a lot of shakeups and changes in all the government agencies and in the regulators. So it's surprising definitely to see what agenda they have for this year. So new regulations and changes are coming down every single day. It is so overwhelming. What are some of the benefits of keeping up to date with the, this amount of information? How can financial institutions leverage knowledge of changes beyond compliance? Well, there's a lot of ways that it's helpful. I mean, at the beginning you know, five, six years ago, the only solution I had was, you know, you get law firm alerts or you get the news and it, it felt like it was coming from everywhere. And so when we built Regalytics where it was all in one place, it sort of, it, it makes you relax because you know, you're going to see it. And so in that way, I really feel like it it's positive because it's all in one place. It's easy to know if something's different or changed. Um, but what I also found really interesting is how many market signals there are where I can really trend spot and see a regulatory alert come out. And I think, oh, this is this is the focus area. This is what's going to happen for the next six months. And so it's really nice to spot trends and be a little more proactive about, you know, what to be seriously focused on. Yes, trend analysis is definitely a great benefit. I can see that there, you know, there, there wouldn't be a complete discussion of technology if we don't talk about artificial technology in the regulatory change management space. Are you seeing any specific development in this area to make the tracking of regulatory changes and laws a little bit more streamlined, like you mentioned, having it all in one place, hopefully, too? So absolutely. And what I have found really interesting about this space is um, how it started with a very small thing. And it was about nine months ago, 
when it was the FINRA actually plugged into an artificial intelligence bot and examined trade data. And one of the things they discovered was this very specific financial product was sitting in the long-term portfolios of some of the customers when it should have been in the short-term portfolio. And kind of what that told uh, FINRA was that the uh, investment advisors weren't properly trained about that product because that product really shouldn't have been sitting in long-term. But they ended up finding about five broker dealers in one week based on an artificial intelligence review. And I thought, oh, wow, this is, this is where it's going. And then uh, right now, the CFPB, the NCUA, the OCC, the FDIC, and the Fed together, the agencies, have been requesting for the last couple of months uh, financial institutions to tell them how they're using artificial intelligence. Um, I think because they're just trying to get an understanding of the lay of the land. Uh, But meanwhile, other regulators like Connecticut is now like mandating the way artificial intelligence is used in insurance and making sure that it's equitable. And so right now there's a lot going on around AI. Some of it is highly prescriptive and some of it is just exploratory, but it's nice on a topic like this to be able to see the trends across over 3000 regulators so that you can get a sense of which directions it'll go. So Mary, are you concerned as this technology continues to develop that we're going to see a clash between our financial regulators and the banks and and financial institutions and how they're choosing to use this technology? You know, in terms of a clash, I think, well, right now under the Biden administration, there's three things that they're really focused on. So number one is obviously COVID. That's what everybody's trying to resolve and, and move on. Um, But the other two areas, one is climate risk and one is diversity and inclusion, um, they're getting more prescriptive, right, where they have opinions. And when it comes to artificial intelligence, there is definitely a concern across many regulators about unintended bias that goes on where, um, like, for example, with insurance, if you put in an artificial intelligence bot to decide who gets you know, car insurance and it has a inequitable uh, result, then you have a whole section of humanity that has been kind of set aside because the math doesn't work for them. And so the regulators are very concerned about that artificiality not having the results that as, as humans we want to have. Missing the human touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have long been a proponent of RegTech to improve compliance management. What is a good place for a financial institution to start their journey onto accepting and implementing this type of technology? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, when we set out on this journey, we're we're Wall Street people, right? And so when we built Regolytics, we made the assumption that it was going to be very much focused on financial services. What's been really interesting, though, is that the number one request from our customers has just been more regulators, more topics, more industries. And it made me realize that, yes, I have a law degree and a PhD. I'm an expert in a lot of areas. I can't be a subject matter expert anymore. And so a lot of what we've been doing is partnering with experts like end contracts where they can take the regulatory data and really put it into bulleted context of what you really need to do. And so my recommendation is to find a reg tech company that specializes in your particular area that can really help you navigate it 
Um, but it never hurts to have a subscription to Regolytics because there's so many emerging trends that you don't know that you care about. And so the ability to be flexible and say, Robinhood, what's going on with Robinhood? And you can see things maybe in jurisdictions you're not bound by, um, but to just have a good horizon scan on where things can go. So I do recommend a combination of, you know, having a robust ability to look at what's out there at the same time, having an expert that can guide you specifically through the compliance process. Mary, you briefly mentioned that a lot of regulators are paying attention to climate risk, specifically in terms of innovation and technology. Do you mind telling me a little bit more about climate risk? Well, you know, it's funny. I said my favorite regulator, but I definitely think the most surprising regulatory event, for me at least, that I wasn't expecting is the SEC created a climate risk enforcement task force this year. Um, and then they announced their 2020 exam priorities includes climate risk. And so what that really means is that every publicly traded company is now going to be uh, expected to have a plan and a discussion about climate risk and, and uh, that entire area. And so I was I was impressed at the speed of which the Biden administration was able to start implementing like real teeth into it. And uh, it's unrelated to climate change, but another real surprising one for me is NASDAQ is still working through the SEC that they're actually trying to uh, include diversity in boards, meaning that if you wanna register with NASDAQ to list your company, you're going to have to have diversity on your board. And so I will say the Biden administration has been very swift to be prescriptive on these topics and uh, it doesn't have any uh, signs of letting up. So I would get your ducks in a row around ESG, climate risk, diversity, and inclusion, because it's, it's not a do-gooder thing anymore. It really has legitimate teeth behind it. I wonder if the having diversity on your board is a little bit to do with a study I read lately, which is boards that have females on them have a little bit less fraud. Do you have any thoughts on that, Mary? You know, there's a lot of studies also about just generally that uh, women leaders are more risk averse generally, which can be good, but it can also be not as good. They don't get as access to as much capital, um, but they have been shown to run companies with better financial metrics behind it. So, uh, you know, I don't want to weigh in too much as a female founder, but I think I'd like to say I've run my business pretty well and pretty, uh, you know, on the money between too risky and, and not risky enough, but I can't speak on behalf of every single one of us. That's for sure. <laughs> I think that's why what you mentioned, like having diversity is just important, different voices, different perspectives on risk, different perspectives on technologies that you're going to employ and how you're going to run your business is very important. Yeah. And also with a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement, that is something I've started noticing. Even the financial institution or sorry, excuse me, the financial regulators themselves have boards that are not diverse either. And that there has been a number of not only appointments where it's very clear that they're still not being diverse, but there's been some appointments where you can tell, you know, certain regulators are trying to do something about it. And so insofar that you are a person of color or a woman, 
almost every week there's openings for different government boards and opportunities to serve and volunteer. And I encourage you, get your name out there. Do you think there's a way in which you can use technology to improve diversity, either in a financial institution or the regulators, like you were mentioning, or just general company? Well, you know, there's one state, I can't remember which one it is, but they have put out a bill right now that it, it hasn't passed, but they're considering it right now, uh, which is that any company operating within that state if they are using artificial intelligence to determine if they're going to have a first interview with a candidate for a job, if they're expecting to do that, that they have to have register with the state and go through their results um, to just ensure that it's not needlessly uh, eliminating certain candidates. And so again, like I think there's a lot of uses around artificial intelligence, but the problem is if you're looking at a pattern and the pattern that has pre-existed is lopsided, there is a need for certain regulatory invention to ensure that it, it distributes and a little, is a little more equitable. And so uh, I think there's ways, there's definitely ways to spot this and you know, look at the numbers and the math and look at the demographics. Um, for example, the CRA, the Community Reinvestment Act is been up for overhaul. It was uh, first developed in the civil rights movement. And uh, the idea is that if you're giving out loans in a community, in a particular zip code, that the loan ratio should be relative to the diversity of that zip code. And so I do think artificial intelligence can be tapped into to do that analysis um, and then figure out pretty easily where a certain institution is maybe not uh, doing it on par with the demographics of the location that they're in. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us from the city that never sleeps and sharing your insights in how financial institutions can leverage technology for responsible innovation to bring more people to the table and to ensure that we are all banking responsibly. Thanks, it's been a pleasure to be here, Stephanie. Hey everyone, that wraps up another great episode of the NCAST, where we are able to talk with people on the front lines of risk and compliance across the financial services industry. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And if you're not subscribed yet, we invite you to do so on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.